You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is going to be huge. 360 in the contract, never that. I just take the contact, I'll bring it back. I'm running on the fast break, behind the back. Yeah, this, that, this, that, this, that. Dirk with the Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, the editor of Smoking Cuban, and also writer-contributor at Mavs.com. Isaac, I got something for you. Uh-oh. Let's go. We have a Sotnam shame. Actually, we're going to have a lot of Sotnam shames because trade season is upon us and there's a lot of people sending us trades and I enjoy every single one of them. Everyone send me all of your trade ideas all the time because I enjoy every single one of them. They're like snowflakes. But here's the thing. You can't be like, I should know his name, but there was a guy the other day that said, oh, let me think of some more Sotnam shames. I'm like, no, no, no. It doesn't work that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, That's not a Sotnam shame. No. When you're like thinking up ideas to get like Porzingis, Giannis, and LeBron, no, no, no. That's not it. We're talking about people who are actually tweeting things and they're being 100% like truthful thinking yeah. that we're going to like a dude the other day tweeted said, man, I really want the Nets pick and like Jabari. Yeah. Like <laughs> what are you giving up? Of, <laughs> I don't know what we have that could get, you know, besides, one of besides be Dennis. Difficult. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but anyway, it has to be truthful. You can't just go out and start making up crap. And most of the time it comes from people that don't tweet at us. So it comes sure. from people that tweet at other people or, you know, stuff we find on that Facebook or that Mavs Facebook nation, Mavs nation, Facebook page. And uh, this one comes to us from uh, this guy named Silvers. Uh-oh. And he tweeted at Ryan Rosillo. Somebody sent me this. Somebody sent me this, this to me, uh, but he tweeted at Ryan Rosillo from ESPN. I think still sort of kind of a weird relationship right now, but Cavs trade idea. Isaiah Thomas and Channing Fry to the Mavs. Now, let's just start with that part. And I won't tell you who who he's going to send back to the Cavs. Let's just start with that. In what universe? Well, just off the top of my head, yeah. <laughs> that's like $13 million. So That's $13 million. Also, actually, no, Channing Fry makes nine, doesn't he? And Isaiah Thomas makes six. No, I'm pretty sure he makes seven. But either way, that's still like either 13, way, those are $15 million. Uh of the things the Mavs need, those two, yeah. neither of those two are those things. They don't need a big that can like not really play defense anymore. Like Dirk Nowitzki is a better version of Channing Frye right now, still, right? Yeah, yeah. At, at Channing Frye at any point in his career. Yeah, and, and but still, like Dirk Nowitzki is still a better version of him at at 39 years old. Yeah, and then Isaiah Thomas is like, I don't know if you put. JJ and Yogi together, like the youth of J- and, the, and Frodo, the youth of of Yogi, and then the like the savvy of JJ just threw them together. Uh, so then you would have the Mavericks would have three point guards that are under, basically under six feet, maybe you know six foot yeah. or under. And uh, just, yeah, we're going to the Shire and playing basketball. No, <laughs> can we stop with the obtaining a point guard? Like a small yeah, point guard in no, a trade, like, knocking out like Kemba, Isaiah. No, Thomas. no. So, but th- stop it. This like, trade was uh, Isaiah Thomas and Channing Fry for Harrison Barnes. First off, financially it couldn't happen because Cleveland couldn't take back Barnes no. and only shed, only trade those nope. two. That's the why? biggest reason why. <laughs> yeah, let's cool. Let's There's a trade Isaiah machine for a together. reason, guy. Uh, guys. Also, Real GM has a trade checker. If you want to go, you want to get two sources, two different opinions. You know how you go to two different mechanics or two different doctors to get two different opinions? You can get two different uh, opinions on your trade. Real GM's too complicated for me. I, I like the simplicity of. I, I do wish that somehow they could just put the draft picks in at the bottom of trade. I, I wish I could do that too. Uh, I get tired I, of clarifying myself. I was I was attempting to write for a real GM, and I was talking to one of my friends that used to write for them, and he was like, "Man, I used to write for a real GM, but sometimes you just get tired of being a robot all the time because <laughs> they're just very <laughs> very stat heavy." Yeah, I'm uh, not stat heavy. No, yeah, you would not last. Just, just let you at know, all. Nick. <laughs> so speaking of stats, 
Dennis, we need a Satnam Shame version of st- bad stats. Oh, that's a good idea. I don't know what we would call it, but we can't call it anything. Where... We can't call it anything associated with Bobby Kerala, can we? <laughs> like in his bad, on, bad, it, a bad Bobby. <laughs> not that, not that Bobby comes up with bad stats at all, like at all. But just no, that he this is, is the like best. Bobby's expertise. Yeah, that's like Bobby's thing. Uh. <laughs> So, Dennis Smith Jr., I don't know if you uh, know this, he has three games this season where he has scored 20 points with at least 20 points with six rebounds and six assists at least of both categories. In shot, one three from the left corner with three minutes to go in the second quarter. No, How just, many people just have done those, that? Just those three things. Just those three things. 20 points, six boards, six rebounds. That's a that's a good stat line. Yeah. That means yeah. He, you know he's filling up the box score. He's doing stuff. He's making things happen. There are only two other rookies, Isaac, that have done that this year. Who do you think they are? Uh, well, if we count Simmons, sure. Simmons is one. And then I guess Lonzo or Lonzo Mitchell. is the third one. He has done this one uh, time. Simmons has done this six times. And Dennis has done this three times. The, big. the most recent time was against the Portland Trailblazers. We will talk about that game later in this podcast. Denton Smith Jr. is also very... He is in a, a different class all of his own in this with this stat because of those three guys, he got all of those three games in less than 33 minutes playing. Sweet. Simmons, only one of his six games of this nature uh, with under 33 minutes. And then if you look at the NBA as a whole, if you look at uh, just all all NBA players, not just rookies, all NBA players this season – Dennis Smith Jr. has had three games of 20 points, three rebound, or six rebounds, and six assists. He's had three games of that nature. Hmm. No other player in the NBA has had more games like that in under 33 minutes. Go, Dennis. Durant, Just Butler, think. Blake Griffin, LeBron, Oladipo, Westbrook, and James Johnson, hilariously, have, have done it twice. But none of them have done it three times. Just think if you know Rick didn't set him for like a whole quarter. And that's where I want to start. So Dennis is doing these things in kind of limited playing time. I mean, in this game against Portland, he played 31 minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, I, I don't know. We How concerned – let's put it on a level, one to five. How concerned are you about Rick Carlisle not just playing Dennis with Jr.? as much as he probably should. My here's my thing. My my thing's not with the minutes. It's how it's the distribution of the minutes. I don't mind us not rolling him out there for forty minutes a night. I don't I don't care about that. I mean could he I wouldn't want to do get, that. That's too much. Could he get up to like thirty four, thirty five? Yeah, cool. But he is still a couple years off the ACL tear. So like I don't mind the thirty two minutes a night. It's the long period of stretches. It's the setting him, you know, sometimes for these at the end of games in favor of JJ stuff like that. That's the stuff I'm talking about. I wish they, I wish it was more, more sporadic or more. I don't know. That's, you wish that's, you wish it was more consistent. You wish it was, it was not like. You wish it wasn't as sporadic. It seems like he, you know, this is what happens. He plays him the first six minutes, then he sits him until probably the eighth or the ninth minute in the second quarter. So he's yeah. got that huge stretch. From you know, what, how many like how many real time minutes do you think that is on a, on a given night? Like thirty. <laughs> I mean, he's sitting for like a half an hour, you know, waiting to get back in the game. And then, like you've said before, you just forget that. Like, oh my gosh, oh Dennis is back. Like, you just forget that he's kind of playing sometimes because he sits for so long and stretches like that. Yeah, I mean, and, and just think about it. I mean, a game is forty eight minutes. Take you know, each quarter is twelve minutes. Take twelve from that. That's thirty six minutes. So you're, right now, if he's hovering, what's he hovering? Do you have basketball reference up? Like what he's averaging a yeah, game right now? So like that's at 36 minutes. So, I mean, even if he's averaging 36 minutes a game, which is a ton, that's him setting out a whole quarter. And then, you know, he's averaging, he, I'm, I'm going to guess and say he's averaging around 30 a game. 28.4. <laughs> See, I mean, uh, look at that. I mean, that's eight minutes. So that's it's twenty minutes, twenty out of forty-eight minutes that he is not on the court. 
and and they're coming in you, bunches too. It's yeah, going a lot. and it's like massive, big chunks. So oh, that's, look at you, Tony Romo. Is that what he said? <laughs> that's what he kept saying all day today. Is during the games is talking about the Patriots in, in Jacksonville. They got to take big chunks. You got to get you got to get those plays that are going to take big chunks out. <laughs> I like Romo's emotion. Sometimes oh, love, it's kind of funny. I love Romo, but it was uh it was good but yeah i mean that's the only thing and I, I would assume it's just it's a combination of a couple things of they just want to be cautious about his injury but also they're bringing these veterans in you know what if it, what if it wasn't jj and devin or somebody like that coming off the bench what if it was more of a younger spark plug type of guy let's say it was tyreek evans yeah somebody like that like if it was like it might take jj and devin more time to get into the groove a little bit to where they give them an expen- extended time uh, into the game. But, oh, well, it doesn't look like it's changing. So. It doesn't. It and and uh, even in this game, J.J. Bray came back from injury, and he played 23 minutes. <laughs> so they're not really they're not necessarily limiting him too much. Yeah. Devin Harrison this game went out with a head injury. Not sure if that's going to be, you know, what grade of concussion that is or anything like that. Or even if it was a concussion, they just called it a head injury. So. Uh, we're not sure about that going forward. Obviously, Seth has not played the entire year, so uh, <laughs> the backup point guards are kind of banged up right now besides Yogi and Dennis. So We could be seeing some more time for Dennis, especially down the stretch, because the Mavericks are – they seem to be now <laughs> – they're in the back half of the season, and they're now embracing you know the youth, which is, I guess, only Dennis and Yogi at this point. Maxie a little bit, but Maxie's older than Harrison Barnes. So, yeah, I mean, you have to assume at some point, you know, Motley will come up, but free Motley. You just kind of uh, try to figure out who, you know, what minutes he's going to take from that. Probably Salas, but no, I mean, it kind of goes into, you know, Donnie was on that on the podcast um, on Bobby and Jeff Skin Wade's podcast over. I guess it came out over the weekend. Yeah, on Friday. And Shout out to numbers on the board. Numbers on the board pod. Um, it's what biweekly. I don't know. Podcast? I like don't know how month? consistent it is or how consistent it's. Supposed let's to just be. say it twice. Let's just say it twice a month podcast. I was gonna say. I think. I think it's supposed to be once a week, but I don't know. But yeah, it's a it's a couple times a month. But our friends Bobby and, and Jeff, they always have some good guests on and stuff. But uh, Donnie talked about. A little bit about the deadline, um, just a couple quotes in there, but he just kind of reinforced of what we've been saying on the pod for a while that you know Devin's not going anywhere, JJ's not going to go anywhere. Uh, there, that's the you know as far as the deadline, you know, an article with Dennis uh, came out with I think CBS. Um, I remember the guy doing the interview the other day in the locker room, but he sat down with the CBS Sports and he just and Dennis actually talked about how uh, Devin. And he used Wesley too, but just these guys, have, you know, how he meets with Devin a lot after games or before games, whatever it is, and talks about game game tape and whatever. And so anyway, they're the veteran uh, mentorship role. These guys, I think it's you really they're just gonna keep them around for the most part. I mean, yeah, I about. I have the quote here. I've been working on a piece for Maps Moneyball about this this specific thing, and in Donnie Nelson talking about Devin and JJ. Mark Cuban is, this is Donnie Nelson talking on the numbers on the board podcast. Mark Cuban has always been aggressive in turning over every rock and an opportunity and options and options are open so we can stay flexible. We have a really good mix right now. Even though we haven't had a good record record year, our record is not what we want it to be. We've got some really good supporting players that are helping our young players grow. Devin Harris, JJ Barea, these guys are, that are critical really help really that are critical the, the way he says this he i mean he is really picking his words so it was, it was it, this is hard for me to like say it because he's yeah he's like rethinking all of his words these are guys that are critical really in helping dennis learn the ropes and whatnot so we value that very very much that being said we understand that where we are in the standings we are not always looking for ways to improve the team we're talking to everybody we are always looking for ways to improve the team. We're talking to everybody like we always do, whether that turns into something or not remains to be seen. Just know that we probably overvalue that experience and integrity of our veterans. What? They're talking to everybody? That's not like breaking news whenever somebody reports that the Mavericks have talked to a team. 
Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Wow. I didn't know teams talked all the time. They talk all the time. Anyway. That's the biggest thing I learned my first year in Summer League is that all teams talk to each other all times. They had uh, assistant GMs from the Celtics, which is Mike Zarin, and then uh, the Wizards. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. This was two years ago. And they, we just got to sit down and ask them questions about the job and about GMs and stuff like that. And they just said one of the biggest things is that we're always constantly talking to people, like just throwing things out there. And when some guy like Kemba Walker comes out, you know, when, when Kemba Walker's name obviously gets floated out there, that's for a reason. <laughs> you know, yeah. it doesn't just come out for, for no reason at all because GMs are always talking to each other. How about like any yes. player? Like I'm sure Harrison Barnes has been brought up by a bunch of teams. You, you never know. So basically, whenever a report comes out that says X team has talked to X team, don't freak out about it. It's just part of it. Like the Timber, like Michael Scotto for Basketball Insiders. I mean, he's a great, respected reporter. I follow him. Like, he seems like a great guy and everything. Like, he, and he just reported what was told. Yeah. I think Mark Stein even confirmed it on uh, Nate Duncan's podcast that that was, you know, that they had just made the call about the Towns and Blake Griffin thing, and then everybody's freaking out about it. And it's like, listen, it was just a call. Like, calls happen. Like, if if it re- if it was reported, every player that – every team that every player called about, I mean, it would just be chaos. So <laughs> – No player to feel safe ever, and they shouldn't. <laughs> no. Never. And they know, that's part, they know that's part of it. It is fun, though. I have to admit, it is fun when you start talking about the Griffin and Towns and like what could have been, what you know, which team would have hung up faster. It definitely would have been the Timberwolves, but <laughs> yeah, super fast. Oh, definitely in that. You case. want to talk about the Kemba thing real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Since we brought it up, we'll talk about Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker, point guard for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, he is apparently available in. He's a, available for a trade. Uh, the team apparently did not tell him that they were making him available for a trade, but he is now. And so he showed up to practice. And I was trying to think about what's an equivalent of this for the Mavericks. Like, kind of Harrison Barnes, right? Like, if, if Harrison Barnes all of a sudden in, like, four years, uh, yeah. let's say the Mavericks, it just doesn't pan out. The Mavericks give a bunch of contracts to, you know, mediocre players. They continue to try on this playoff thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, the team all of a sudden just Harrison Barnes' name pops up. And then... Harrison Martz shows up to practice the next day. He had no idea. You know, well, well, how would he feel about that? Yeah, I mean, it's the it goes back to the whole loyalty thing and Isaiah Thomas in Boston. You know, that had yeah. more stuff behind it. But, you know, in Kimba's situation, you know, what have you done wrong, really? You know, it's not like, at least with Isaiah Thomas, like, he's getting up there in age. Um, he's a very big uh, hole Lion, on defense. He was liability. De- yeah, liability. He was the man, you know, the Brink truck. You know, he had injury problems, all this stuff. Kemba hasn't had any of that. Like, no. I mean, Kemba, Kemba, Kemba hasn't been talking about. Kemba's making twelve million dollars a year right now. Yeah, and like, so like, Kemba's not you know given a problem for what we've seen from the outside. So it sucks, but it also um, sucks when you get into these small market teams like that, and knowing that somebody like Kemba that's been with your organization for a while and you know, next year will be his last year and you start getting into the Boogie Cousins type of thing of, you know, like, do you flip him for something before he could leave and you wouldn't, like, you wouldn't hold it against him if he left because he's stuck around in Charlotte for so long and so you get all that stuff. But that's why I mentioned it like a month ago that I was like, hey, don't be surprised if Kimba's name comes up in in trade talk and, you know, we kind of just both dismissed it or whatever. I was like, that was my out of left field guy because of this situation but but no with the with the Madison a lot of people has been throwing around the Kimba stuff and Mavericks and Hornets and all this stuff this is what this is what I tweeted about the other day we talked about on the pod this this is the type of situation where Dallas get you know could get involved in some of these things mm-hmm. and Donnie and them will have to make a you know make a choice is being that third team and not just like it's not just about being a third team these deals could happen like before so and the, the, the report about Dallas being involved in all in the Kemba Walker situation was that they were there to facilitate a trade too. It was not that they were going to, you know, be involved in acquiring. You know, that yeah. Was I'm the, not even going to talk about the Kemba fit in Dallas. I'm, I'm not even going. No, to, like, that's what I'm saying. It was they were there to to facilitate, not acquire him. So yeah, like be the yeah, third. That's team. What, I'm exactly what you're saying. Help make it make it happen for him to go to another team. For instance, like if he if Denver went after him. And Denver is shedding. And if if I'm Charlotte, 
before when I'm making a phone call with Kimba, I'm saying two things right off the bat. If you're if I'm trading Kimba, I'm getting a first round pick slash a good play like a good young player, and you're taking Nick Batum. Like that's the only way I'm gonna trade. Like maybe Marvin Williams instead of Batum, but whatever. Or Let's Dwight. Just say Nick, what about Dwight? I guess Dwight. Yeah, one of the other. I would prefer somebody take Batum if I'm Charlotte. So, like, let's say they're calling Denver, and Denver's like, yeah, we'll take Batum and, and Kimba, but we need to shed some salary. And then they call Dallas and say, hey, we'll, you know, we'll attach two second-round picks, or we'll, we'll attach Hernan Gomez with Fareed if you'll take on Fareed's contract. You know, it's something like, like that, that Dallas. So the people were talking about facilitating Hornets trade, you know, could Dallas take Marvin Williams? And what would it take? But here's my thing. Donnie and them have, have to make a choice. And this is, like, I think we, we can all agree that, and Mark made the statement, that we'll be proactive or opportunistic with the cap space and absorbing a contract with an asset attached. We can all agree that that's, that is likely that could happen. That's what they want to do. Yes. What we don't know is will they absorb a contract that will cut into cap space next summer or this summer that's what we don't know because you look at somebody like josh mcroberts miami needed to shed mcroberts so they attach cash with it and now we have this cash to buy draft picks in the future but mcroberts was an expiring contract so is dallas sitting there saying we will only take an expiring contract into our cap we don't want to cut into our cap space next summer or this coming summer or will they take on somebody like Fareed that is that will cut away like 10 million in the cap space this summer will they take on somebody like Marvin Williams somebody that's on the books for multiple years with an asset involved that's that's tough that's the decision that that we don't know like we don't know that and so you know for instance if they're sitting back in the jazz are trying to swing a trade but the team that they're swinging a trade with doesn't want to take favors on, and they call you know Dallas and say, "Will you take favors?" <laughs> like he's we an expiring contract. No favors. <laughs> we ain't doing well, you they, no favors. Will Dallas only take an expiring contract? That's the that's the thing. Will they take more? What type of asset would it would be worth taking on a Fareed, a Marvin Williams, you know, an Alec Burks, something you know, something like even that. Even Batum, that's, I think. They oh, might, no, I, I wouldn't touch Batum. They might even take Batum. I don't know. I wouldn't touch Batum at all. I mean, I mean, he, he doesn't look good at all. I and mean, you're talking like $25 million. I mean, he's going to be making more than Barnes. So that's wild to me. Gosh. But, <clears throat> there was a trade in there that – That market, man, to, that 2016 just slaughtered some teams. Yeah. Oh, pff, oh my gosh. Um, but real quick, I, the – the Kimba fit with with I know some other report I think it was Keith Smith I don't care I'm saying that. you know he was like hey that will you know that would be a good fit with Dennis no it wouldn't Sorry. I don't think so either Just, no we've People, talked about it a thousand times it goes into the Doncic thing the Trey Young thing it goes into Kimba Doncic you know, would trade. be a way better fit than Kimba Walker would be <laughs> if, he, yeah if he, it would come it to go that. my okay I should say not our thing my thing it goes into my thing to where I want. Dennis running the show and somebody like a Kemba, a Trey Young, another point guard alongside of him that would take the ball out of Dennis's hands and it would create a defensive liability. Hey, you and Dennis both, man. You and Dennis both. That's what he <laughs> He feels what? he feels the same exact way as you. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, I think we will um Nick Nick and I talked about it before the pod, maybe every pod or every other pod will give you, try to give you a small update of anything that we're hearing or seeing online, at least talk it through and keep us updated cuz man, it is January 21st as we're recording this and the trade deadline is February 8th. It's wild. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. All right, let's talk about this Portland Trailblazers game. The uh, Dallas Mavericks came out of the gate. Uh, let's let's make a horse analogy. The Mavericks mascot is a horse. Champ is a horse. It's like the Mavericks run a horse race, and out of the gate, the gates flung open, and Dallas all of a sudden like tripped, fell over the jockey, who I guess would be either Dennis or Carlisle or Dirk or somebody did a front flip over the horse, 
and then landed and somehow got back on the horse, ran all the way down to the end, and then somebody ran out and shot them in the foot. <laughs> what did you just do? <laughs> That's what this game was because the Mavericks came out of the gate and they were just not even close. Shout out to Dennis for not even knowing who Champ is, by the way. Oh, he or didn't? If you haven't watched the Pictionary thing between him and Dirk on Mavs.com, <laughs> they tweeted out, Earl set tells them to draw Champ. And Dirk draws champ, and Dennis is like, who's champ? And <laughs> Dirk's like, bro, it's the horse. Just draw a horse. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, keep on going with the If game. they were playing word association and they said, and the word was Mavs man, I would just say nightmare. Nightmare incarnate is what I would say for Mavs man. <laughs> That's what I would call him. But what kind of person do you have to be to put on that Mavs man suit every night? That's the guy we got to get on the podcast. I don't know. They're pretty in shape, though. In shape, can do flips. I wouldn't be surprised if it, it was a guy like Jason from The Good Place. Have you ever seen The Good Place? No, but I've seen a thousand people tweeting about this dude. It's so great. Jason's the best. <laughs> but I wouldn't imagine if it was a guy like that. So, But Dallas, they just get down to this huge deficit. And they basically, if you look at the box score, Dallas <laughs> lost the first two quarters and they won the next two quarters. So they basically won the second half. But Portland had such a big lead on them, essentially, that it just wasn't going to happen for them. Yeah, it was a super weird game. Dame, you know, Lillard and McCollum, they were both doing the thing. McCollum had a nasty play on Yogi. That was... But, okay, so that play happened, definitely. But Yogi, man, Yogi was trying his darndest against those two guys, and they were just yeah. hitting shots over. They can hit some of the toughest shots of any players in the league. Like, they, yeah. the shots they hit, this the tiny bit of separation, and Yogi was just a little, too, like, honestly, just a little too short to guard those guys. If he was a little bit taller, I mean, the hand, the hand could have been oh, stretched mean, like, out a little farther. Had- he would have... If we had a bigger two guard, you know, that'd be cool. You know, the two point guard <laughs> or thing like, probably isn't about, like working that. How about way. like an actual two guard? <laughs> <laughs> how about that? Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. We saw Dennis off the ball some. Um, mm-hmm. I know I was tweeting some people during the game. Or not tweeting, uh, texting some people during the game. And a guy wrote me and was like, seriously, how many times are they going to, how many, how many times are they going to play Dennis off the ball with JJ? And uh, I think that is probably my most frustrating lineup right now of when I watch it. And I'm like, no, you know, like the gif off the office. No, 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 <laughs> no, like, God, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Like when, when Toby yeah, comes back. Uh, I don't enjoy, I don't enjoy that. I don't like goodness off the ball. What I don't, what I don't understand is, and I haven't looked up the exact lineups or how long he was out there with them, but Dennis played 31 minutes. JJ played 23 minutes. So that there is like, there should only be – there shouldn't be that much overlap, right? It should only be, what, six minutes yeah, of overlap or, or something like that. But it does seem to be a lot longer. It, it probably isn't. It probably feels super long. It's like you're, It's like the uh, the last week of school. It just feels like it take, takes forever, and then eventually it's done. Yeah, and, I mean, the, the game was – you know, you thought the Blazers were just going to run away with it, and – but you got to give the Mavs credit, man. They always seem to claw back. Uh, I seen, I watched the end of the Nets and Pistons game today um, on Sunday, and I saw the Dinwiddie like uh, buzzer or buzzer beat or whatever it was, and they put up the stat on the screen. They're like teams uh, that have had the most like end of whatever. It's pretty much clutched at six or less uh, points decided on. Mavericks were twenty two in twenty two games of six or less decided on. Um, Win or loss, it was. It was they just had so many an incredible amount of close games, and it's almost just it do, almost doesn't need even need to be said anymore. But if anybody's new listening to this podcast, the Mavericks are. At, I, we haven't looked this up. We need to. It might be an NBA record for how many games, clutch games, they've been in and lost <laughs> throughout through yeah. you know this part of the season. But yeah, they clawed back. Dennis had eleven points in the fourth quarter, uh, four boards as well, and a steal. And only one turnover. So anybody that is, you know, complaining about Dennis's turnovers late in the game, he just had one in this game. Yeah, and I mean, he had a couple of plays in the fourth quarter. That was big time when they started making their run. <sighs> These referees, man, it it got out of hand. Like it just got stupid, man. That that Dennis push off 
His arm did, Okay. His his arm Let's talk about that. His arm did extend. However, literally I think 90% of the league would get away with that. Let's talk about this. The we're, Dennis Drive. We're going to be I'm not even a, a the, you know, I'm not even like a true Mavs fan, but we're going to be totally homers about this for the next, I don't know, 5, oh, five well, 10 minutes. So if anybody actually, just like hates with it. With the refs. Yes. With this refs, <laughs> we're I'm, be total I'm homers be. for the But with this part. Dennis play, I'm not because that was an offensive foul and it should have been called. And I know some of you listeners are probably going to be pissed that I'm saying that right now. But he had he's got this habit down. And he does this. Like I even tweeted out like two games ago, and I said Dennis has got this drive, get off me, lay it up move. Like he's almost got a patent on it now. He's got to get out of that. He can't drive and just take contact. And he does do the left. Like it's almost like he's he, taking a he can a hit do, across the middle. He like, can he do it. He just can't extend the arm. He can bump into it with the shoulder, but he just if the arm doesn't extend, I don't think the ref calls that because it's too fast. Yeah, I think it just depends on where the defender is and the position that they're in. Like, even when he lowers his shoulder, and because he does that, he drives in and he takes the contact, even sometimes in like a sidestep, and he just nudges him with his shoulder. And then last night in the Portland thing, he does the little, you know, push off with the arm. He just can't do it. And that's how, that's what he does to get the separation at 6'3. Like, he, he does that. And it's a foul. He needs to get out of the habit. And I, I'm. I don't want to like rain on Mavs fans' parade like that's because everybody was throwing a fit about it last night. It was like that's not who shouldn't have been called, and I'm like, no, it should. Like that, that's a that's a push off. Like LeBron does it ten times worse, and he gets away with it all the time. And I throw a fit about that, so I would be hypocritical if I complain about LeBron pushing off, and I don't agree that that's a foul. Immediately after that play, they showed the bench. Dennis was on the bench. And Maxi was sitting. I thought next. Dennis was going to get teed up after that, but he just yelled like out into space. He didn't yell at the ref. It was like one at the ref, and then he just turned away and started just yelling like into the void. <laughs> but yeah. they showed the bench, and Maxi just said, "That's a BS call." <laughs> just read his <laughs> lips. Then we got then we got uh, the West scrum, which was just insane. Of he dives on the ground and I, you know three players can just jump on top of him you know and just have a little powwow on top of him. Not only is it not a foul, but he gets up and slams the ball down and catches it. Like that's the thing. Players do this all the time. Well, you know they'll throw it off the stanchion and they'll catch it. Yeah. No big deal. It's the whole thing is you're taking the chance because if you miss the ball and you don't catch it, it's always a tech. Yeah. You bounce it really hard and it goes up in the air. It's a tech. Like everybody understands that. But he caught it, and in in not even the ref that he said something to gave him a tech. The ref on the other side who saw him hit the ball. So it was solely for hitting the ball. That was just stupid. Like, just stupid. Woj had Ramona Shelburne on his podcast this weekend as well, and they are talking a lot about the referee situation and talking a lot about you know, where players are. Because we've had so many players come out and say that the refs are you know either out of control or that they're not up to standards with the rest of the league and everything. And there is a disconnect between what the refs think their role is and what the players think their role is as far as their interaction together. There is some sort of, there's some sort of disconnect in that the refs feel like the players shouldn't be getting away with, you know, talking at them this much. And the players think that they're not getting away with it. You know, like as many calls it's, it's always kind of been that way. You know, like that's yeah. just always the, the nature of their relationship, but it now has become public and everybody sees every game and everybody sees these two minute reports and sees the refs are wrong. And the refs have almost been discredited because of yeah. the two minute reports and because of, you know, everybody being able to see every single play in, in slow motion. We see this more in football where you do these like very slow motion hundredth of a second you know look at a look at a play or something to see if somebody went out of bounds or see if something was a foul you know obviously you can see it way better if you're looking at it on your tv and if you're looking at a replay and so refs have just been discredited and discredited and discredited and now nobody trusts refs i mean and it's got to this extreme place and uh mark cuban tweeted this out which is relevant uh he quote tweeted one of earl k sneed's tweets that said uh, this is what Earl said. Smith Jr. with the steal and the thunderous slam over Lillard, but he's called for an offensive foul and his fifth of the night. 
Mark Cuban quote tweeted it and said, the unfortunate reality is that Dennis Smith Jr. has to learn how to yell and flop in order to get respect. So mm. there is something about this. And, and Cuban has so much experience with refs. Like he probably has <laughs> more experience with refs than a lot of players in the league right now. He said, you know, talking to him and, and you know, getting fined and <laughs> all that, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, there, it, I don't know. There's something broken there. And Draymond Green has suggested that we replace all of the refs, which would not fix the, the thing at all. Like it's That's stupid. I don't know. I mean, it, it, him saying that wasn't as much of like a real suggestion as much to me is he, he he's just being exasperated and saying like at this point can we just start over you know at this point i'm so frustrated with this can we just start over because he's gotten a rep other people have gotten reps and we've seen sala now sala you know apparently has gotten this reputation with refs and, and you know dirk i see dirk a lot in games when you're watching as they go to break after sala has a you know a play that is I guess you you could call Salah-ish. it a Salah-ish play, like an either-or play where it you know could have been a foul, maybe couldn't have been a goaltend, you know, close to goaltending, not really. And Salah tries to talk to the refs, and the refs aren't going to have it; they they just don't even listen to him. But then Dirk comes over there, and Dirk like actually tries to come to his defense and talk to him. I've seen that a couple times this year that Dirk feels like he has to come to Salah's defense because he's just gotten this reputation. Yeah, man, it's such a it's such a tough relationship because. You know, for years, and, and even now, if you're telling me to pick a side, a lot of times I pick the, the ref side because their job is so hard. And it's it's so split second that, you know, even, I mean, even in the smallest, smallest of, of, of things, of like last year I refereed a, an elementary basketball game <laughs> yeah. by myself in like school against another school, like bus brought in a, a team from another school. And, dude, it was so hard. Like, I mean, I'm not, like, a ref at all. It's just the school knew I had a basketball background and everything. Asked me to ref it. And it's like I had parents screaming at me, coaches screaming at me, parents cussing me out, like, all this stuff. And, like, and the thing is, I knew a couple of the calls I made were missed calls. Like, I, I knew. I'm like, yeah, that's my fault. Like, but you have to make the foul, you know, the call in a split second. And, like, some of these things, if so much crap that these refs hear and take from the players, like, like seriously, the like how this meeting's gonna go of like whether the players are gonna sit down and be like, you, you got to learn how to take more from us. Really, watch your mouse more. Like yeah. that, you know that has a lot to do with it. I mean, of you know, in you go into now we're in this flopping era now. Of how do the refs feel about the flops? You know, do do are they angry about it that the that the players is this a a move by the players to get one over on them? Are they mad whenever they call a foul and then they look back at the replays later on? They're like that player just totally like flopped. Like I'm out here trying to actually help them and like call a foul, like a foul that I thought was a true foul, but really they're acting and playing it off. Like do they get mad about that and do they take it against the floppers? You know, there there is, and when you read. Um, Tim Donaghy's book of personal foul, you know, he talks about, I mean, so much stuff of these players, you know, in, in refs relationships and how certain, you know, it alters so much stuff. And it's just, it's a relationship that it's not going anywhere because we got to have both and we got to have refs, but it, a lot of it has to, I mean, we have to understand refs are going to like refs are going to miss calls. Like that's just part of it. In the last two-minute report, I don't understand that at all. I never have understood it. It's the I think it's the stupidest thing ever. Of what's it matter now? Could we like I think they should be made. I think they should be made available to media. I, I agree with that. Like if players and stuff and coaches have to talk to the media, I think refs should. Not just the general crap statement. You know, they have to issue one statement after something controversial or something. Interesting. I think they should have to talk to the media after the game if we have a choice. So we, in the, in the uh, sports business classroom in Summer League, well, this past year, we, no, two years ago, we talked to uh, a ref that, well, I'll, I'll remain him nameless because he didn't want to be quoted or anything in this talk. He, uh, he came and spoke to us, and that was his first interview he had ever done. And he had been a ref for like 20 years. He has a ref school now. He like, you know, all this stuff. And he had never done like a sit down interview like with people. <laughs> and yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's 
a good thing. I don't know if that's a bad thing. You don't want the refs to take the spotlight because then it becomes baseball. And in baseball right now, you have this scenario where the home plate umpire, you know, becomes like he is part of the game. He is, you know, a huge, you know, a huge part of it because he calls, you know, he calls the balls and strikes and he basically like sets the tone for the entire game. It's not necessarily the players. It's that home plate umpire that, that sets the tone for these guys and they have their own egos and they have their own agendas and they, you know, they have all this stuff going on. And it, I think it, it sort of taints baseball in a way for me. Uh, we don't, I don't think we want that to happen. Like I don't want, I don't know. Like we've had refs become personalities. Joey Crawford, I guess, kind of become a personality yeah. with his racing when he when he raced Chuck uh, Charles Barkley and stuff like that. But I, I don't want. I don't know if we want to hear from refs. That they're kind of. I mean, kind it's just of, like if we're going to do the last the last two minute report is supposed to bring this accountability, and I don't understand it. Like it doesn't change. Who cares if the Giannis out of bounds play in OKC and they're like they come out two days later and say yeah he stepped out. Who cares? Like, that doesn't change the outcome of the game. But if you want to hold refs accountable, then make media availability five minutes after game or whatever it is to where they have to talk and explain a certain technical they gave and for the reason why. And if it is a, if they're giving Draymond Green a technical, they should be able to st- have to stand in front of a mic and say, I gave him a technical because he said this. And this is what happened for me to give him the technical instead of because then it just turns into whatever the players want to make it into. Just like we saw the Courtney Lee thing the other day at the jump ball in the in the middle mid of court. You know now it's a he said she said thing or you know with as far as like Courtney Lee said yeah you know, I just told the guy blah 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 the refs like well no I mean and he had they had to issue a statement or whatever at that game but I'm all about it. like if the players have to talk to us then the refs have to talk to us. I think in that with that I think you know what players say to refs on the court I think if it was either more people were mic'd up or if you could actually the audio of the players on the court was available you know like in 2K you can turn up the player chatter you know all the way all the way up and you can hear stuff like that I think if that was turned up then I think we might clean up some of this because then you'd then yeah. you'd like have I mean there would that be, would be the ultimate accountability. Mic up the refs and then that's what that, make it they should have done that a long time ago. Make a database to where it's available. They should have mic'd up the refs like they do in NFL a long time ago. Yeah. I mean so. they have you have the PA announcer, but still it should you know should have to come from the ref and But here's the thing, like they're gonna have their meeting over like this weekend or coming up pretty soon. They're going to have their meeting. They're going to come out. There's no definitive like solution to it. No. They're pretty much going to tell the refs, take more from the players, like ho- try to hold back on the text. They're going to tell the players, hey, let's try to commend them, you know, tell them you're doing a good job, whatever, and try to be like nicer. Pretty much both of y'all be nicer to each other. Like, yeah, that's, seriously. That's that's what's going to come back from it. There is, I mean, even in the, the Woj pod where they were talking about refs, they were ba- essentially saying that, you know, it comes down to like manners, <laughs> you know, like it comes down to just being a better person and being nicer to each other on both sides. It comes down to respect and not really authority, but like we have like our bosses at work sometimes, like we might always agree with them. We might not particularly like them sometimes or whatever, but you know what we like, they're, they're making decisions. A lot of times they have the control over us and you just do your job and do your thing. And like, it's really similar with the refs as far as like, they got to do their job. You can't change the fact that they're the ref. And so like you like do your job and do your thing. Do your job, Isaac, do your job. Do your job. Yeah. It's kind of like respecting the HR person at your work because they're, they don't necessarily work with you unless you're in HR, obviously, but they don't necessarily work with you or necessarily help the company or like, you know, work towards the company goal necessarily, but they're there to like monitor and they're there to help in other ways. And they're there to like police certain things. And you still have to respect that person, even though they don't necessarily work directly with you. Yeah. I mean that it's just that it's that same type of relationship. And like, you have to realize, like, like you said, while ago, they're, they're humans, they have egos, they have personalities. So like certain things that would make them tick so might not be the same forever, you know, ever, ever referee. 
you know, for me, something like them mumbling underneath their breath or like maybe using a, cu- a cuss word, a certain cuss word to me or something like that, that might trigger me more than something else to where I would tell, give them a heads up. Listen, don't go there with me. I'll, I'll give you a tech quick. Also, if you've ever had in your life something that you try to get away with for a long time, like let's say, I don't know, you, people use the cookie jar example. Like, you know, you're a little kid and you're trying to get away with, you know, getting a cookie or, or all this stuff. As soon as you're called out on the thing that you have actually been doing, isn't your immediate reaction to become super defensive and like, I don't yeah. know, I don't know if that if it's everybody or just me, but I get like, it, all of a sudden this anger, this anger just like comes up in me and I'm like, no, like what? You know, you're just like disgusted at the thought of you doing that thing yeah. that you actually did. <laughs> you know, like, and I think this is one of the, this is one of the problems with you know with with players. Guys are playing a you know an intense game that you know the game is only getting more intense. Right? We just talked about how much how much how many uh, minutes Dennis Smith Jr. is playing, and and the NBA right now a, as a whole minutes are down for players on average. Like I think it was Giannis that's averaging the most minutes so far this season per game, and it would be the lowest ever. Like it would be the lowest minutes per game ever for a player, and so. Wow. I think Woj said that on his pod, but you know, you have all these guys playing this intense game that, you know, going back and forth and this, you know, hype, you know, hype moments. And then you're trying to get away with stuff. You're trying to get an edge any single way you can possible. You're trying to get an edge with, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure some of those Lillard and McCollum, you know, things that they're doing. And I'm sure there's some push offs there. You know, I'm sure there's just a little bit here and there. It's too fast. It's, you know, they're too close in proximity. We just can't tell, but I'm sure they're just trying to get any single way to get, you know, an edge. And so you're trying to do this, trying to do this, trying to get away with just as much as you can. And then all of a sudden you get called out for it. And, uh, the refs obviously miss, they miss a whole bunch of them, but then you get called out for it. And then all of a sudden, like just the anger, <laughs> you know, just rises up yeah. in you. And, and it, it could be this sort of like irrational, you know, anger f- towards something that you try to get away with. Like that's, I think that's part of it. It's like, it's the, it's the denial. It's the conviction. It's like, I got a couple guys in my life that are my like accountability guys and grew up with them best friends. And one guy in particular, his name's Michael. Like that's my best friend that we all grew, that we grew up together. Everything. We have this relationship between each other to where we hold each other accountable to where I, we have the freedom to call each other out and he has the freedom to call myself out of Isaac, you're jacking up this area of your life right now. You need to do this because we have this understanding to where not to get religious with it, but like we want each other to grow as close as God we can. It's this ongoing relationship with God and with, with him, like we have this freedom to where Isaac, you are doing something in your life. You are struggling with something or you're doing something you're doing something in your life that is not allowing you to grow closer to God calls me out on it and then sometimes I'm like hold up like who are you like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a convicting thing I know inside that that that's me like I know that but who are you and then it turns into like who are you well you're my best friend that's your job like I I appreciate that and so I know it's deeper like but it's that type of when you know you're doing something you get that conviction denial thing but that's kind of where it goes through. And that is a two-way street between you and Michael. You know, it's, yeah. it's yeah. not between the refs and the players. So that, that even exasperates it more, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, we just had a like 15-minute conversation about how uh, frustrating it is to be a ref. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how the ref-player relationship is. I honestly think it's only going to get worse. As the players get faster, as they try to get away with more fouls, as, you know, I don't know. They're gonna have to change something because it, it's well, just Twitter, get I mean, worse. Twitter's made it worse. I mean, you said the right. slow mo stuff, like right. social media. I mean, every single decision they make is analyzed, so it's gonna. It. I mean, yeah. There's there's not a huge big solution to it unless they do something of, I mean, to where they hold them more accountable somehow. But and I don't think adding a fourth ref is gonna help. No, no. Not about you that. Know, no, not even at all. So, all right. Well, there you go. We got some uh, got some trade news, I guess, sort of. We talked about the uh, the Mavericks game against the Blazers. I guess, do we have anything else you want to say quickly about that game before we go? Dennis had the 26-6 and six game. Wes came back, and when he was not dribbling, he was uh, scoring points. <laughs> Dirk had uh, another 20-point game. 
Dirk's uh, Dirk's comment after the game about the split personality of Salah was um, pure pure gold about how he's Salah, but then when he gets into like game time, he's the Mesh. Um, that was hilarious. Um, but no, I don't have anything it's, else from that game. That's very true because sometimes we talk to Salah after the game, and it's like he doesn't even remember the events that went on the way that they went on. Literally, he does not know because we <laughs> debated with him about how many technicals he has. This I year. did not foul. I did not foul. I did not foul. I only have like three, three this, uh, three since I've been in Dallas. Oh yeah, bro, you had four last year. Like what? <laughs> no, that was funny. He, he only said he had three technicals, and they have to pay for te- like you have to pay a fine for technicals. <laughs> and so like money's coming out of his pocket every time he gets a technical, and he said he had three, and he had seven. <laughs> yeah, and that was then. Uh, I think he's had one since then. Yeah, and like the double text he has, we're like, you do realize double text count, right? Right. Exactly. So, all right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on Lockdown Mavericks. Hey, can I say something about the Wizards thing real quick? Oh, yeah. We're playing the Wizards tonight. <laughs> Wizard, Wizards tonight and Monday night. Uh, just a reminder, John Wall's coming to town. So, the other day before the Lakers game, I wrote a piece on this today, so go check it out. Smoking Cuban. Um, yeah, at the Smoking Cuban. And uh, Rick was asked about, you know, Dennis and does he get hyped up for certain matchups, whatever. And he was like, you know, Evernight's a, a tough point guard the league, whatever. He's like, but I'll give you, a, you know, an example. He said, in Washington, we, we were starting Yogi along with Dennis. And Rick said, you know, we were going to put Yogi on John Wall. He said, but Dennis said no. Like, he, he wanted the matchup. He said, he, he said Dennis patterns, uh, patterns a lot of his game after John Wall. And he said he wanted the matchup of going of guarding John Wall that night, and it was just it's just cool. I wrote about it today. You know, John Wall's obviously coming to Dallas. We played him back in November. We beat him in Washington, and uh, Dennis had a really good game against Washington in November. So it's just stuff like that. You love seeing that from he was 19 then. You know, obviously he had a birthday, so he's 20 now. But like a 19 year old wanting that matchup yeah. against the best point guards in the league. And wanting to go head to head, like that's really cool. The, wanting, as far as like not just wanting it, but that you would go to your coach and say, "No, I want it." Like, give you're not going to put Yogi on on him. I'm going to guard him and love it. Just love every bit of it. So, it's like Magic Johnson in the 1989 Finals going to his coach and saying, "No, Kareem is out. I'm going to play center. I'm going to take jump. <laughs> you guys are just going to get behind me." Magic Johnson, one of the most overrated players of all time. Oh my gosh! This is, oh. is that something good to end on? <laughs> I currently can't see Nick in the computer screen right now. If you lasted 51 minutes on the Lockdown Mavs podcast, you got to hear that super hot take. Flaming. It's like boiling right now. I don't know if Nick's surviving right now, so I'm just like talking away on my mic. We can't get into that now. No, no, There's we're not, not getting into that time. now. How All right, Maz, how long Maz have, Wizards. How long tonight. have I known you? Uh, a while. I mean, a couple years. And you, this is the first time you've ever said this. Yeah. Do you know who my second most overall player of all time is? Is it Larry Bird? It's Shaq. So. Thank you guys so much for joining us on the Locked Up Mavericks <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we really appreciate it. <laughs> Peace out. Ugh, now we have to go to like couples therapy or something. <laughs> <laughs>